You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Houston Baptist 103-61. to uh, this is a game where the Hoosier offense kind of sputtered out of the gate a little bit, if you think all the way back to the beginning of the game. But my goodness, did they make up for it, uh, finishing with 100 points for the first time since the second game of the season. And it was really nice to see Indiana had one, two, three, four, five, six sequences between TV timeouts where they scored 10 points or more, finishing with 103, a solid victory overall for Indiana, both the offensive and defensive end. And we are going to break it all down for you on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I am your host, Jared Morris. I am joined on this episode by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And let's begin, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for tonight's Hoosier Proud Banner moment, I want to take you all the way back to the first half. Because, again, you know, this is a game that Indiana wins 103-61. They win by 42 points. And they were firmly in control for most of it. But if you think back to, to the beginning of the game, it was a little bit of a sluggish start for Indiana. The Hoosiers only led 5-4 at the first TV timeout. It was kind of a back-and-forth game there for a little while. Uh, until... Indiana finally was able to kind of move the lid from the net, make a couple of three-pointers in a row. One was by Curtis Jones, and the next one was by Robert Johnson. And this is where the banner moment comes in, because I thought it was another great sign of Robert Johnson's leadership and of him basically saying, all right, it's kind of early. We're playing a little bit sluggish. Let's go. Let me make a couple of plays to get us going. And so Robert made that three-pointer and then goes right down on the other end of the court and is playing terrific defense. And his man tries to go back door on him. Great defensive fundamentals, just turns, knocks the ball away because they tried to pass to, to his man who was cutting to the basket. He gets a steal. It goes the other way for a Josh Newkirk dunk. Indiana leads 18-12 at that point, and they were firmly in control and would then extend the lead from there and never really look back. But I thought it was, a, a, again, another great sign of Robert Johnson being that leader, stepping up when his team, you know, not really playing great. They weren't playing bad, but just a little bit sluggish. Robert Johnson makes a couple of big plays that leads to momentum and Indiana rolls from there and obviously ends up with a 42 point victory. So nice job by Robert Johnson. Our Hoosier Proud banner moment and tonight's banner moment, of course, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud an Indiana based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier or your pride in being an Assembly Call audience member because I am wearing my Assembly Call t-shirt right here. You can see it. We moved our production of our Assembly Call t-shirts over to Hoosier Proud. And so you can go check those out at, assemb or at uh, HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy Bottoms, his Bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. 
Well, I thought, you know, in a lot of these games, the thing that we want to look for is guys who don't get as many minutes normally. And the bench played terrific today. 37 bench points uh, in total. You had Curtis Jones with 11, Devontae Green with eight. Uh, Freddie McSwain even had eight. Deron Davis had a tough time getting going and ended up fouling out and only scored three points. And um, McRoberts, again, with, you know, no points, uh, didn't look at the basket a great deal as we've talked about uh, for a bit, but uh, really came in, made some good hustle plays, played good defense, four assists, um, really got the ball movement moving and then of course cannot be uh talk about the bench without talking about tim priller's four points today which put iu uh at the uh at the century mark which uh gave my my bold prediction some truth which i was worried about at halftime with only 42 but uh you know i just thought all those guys were able to come in and really contribute uh today mcswain had four rebounds just uh you know a lot of good minutes for those guys but i thought they were productive minutes they weren't just out there um, to be out there jacking up shots and, and doing things like that. Kareem got to see a lot of different lineups and uh, give other guys some rest. So I thought a really positive experience for for all those guys. You could look down uh, each of them and really talk about positive contributions they made. So while there's a lot of things to not like about some of these um, more cupcake games that we have early in the season, I think um, this hopefully is one we can look back on and say, hey, you know, these are, are valuable minutes that the freshmen uh, and the newcomers got, and uh, and those will pay dividends later down the line. All right, let's kick it over to Ryan for Ryan's rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Yeah, I, uh, if, if you listen to our radio show on Fridays, which you should, uh, Assembly Call Radio, uh, you know that we have a bold prediction segment, and you know that I was viciously robbed of a victory on my bold prediction segment this week. Uh, Jared, before you say anything, this is my time. Leave, leave it alone. Uh, and this week, my prediction was that I thought Thomas Bryant against Houston Baptist would bounce back from sort of some, some lower-level efforts and have a double-double. Well, unfortunately, he finished with nine points. But he did finish with 13 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and four blocks. So I think it's fair to say he he certainly had a huge impact on the game. Uh, he only took two field goals, though. So, Tommy, what are you doing to me, man? I, I picked you to have a double-double, and you only shot the ball twice from the field. I, I just, I've been saying it for a couple weeks. I think Thomas needs to get more aggressive uh, in calling for the ball and, and being a little more selfish. And also, he... Normally, seven of eight from the free throw line for a big man is good, but that eighth one could have given me the double double and a win on my bold prediction. So I'm holding that against him. He's got to make that eighth free throw. Got to be perfect from the line. And uh, yeah, I think Thomas Bryant's just got to start shooting more, and I think the guys got to start finding him in the post more. Uh, I think during Big Ten season, that's going to be a huge part of the offense. And uh, you know, y- you got to start looking for it. So uh, yeah, I just missed my bold prediction this week, and I kind of know how Jared felt earlier in the year when he missed his. It stinks to miss it by one point. Hey, so there's some interesting. You, you can tell you can tell what kind of game this was because we're all just rooting, like openly rooting for our own bold predictions. Uh, at least I was on Twitter, as was as was Ryan. So that's the, that's the kind of game this really turned into. I think that's pretty telling that two of the first three segments have something to do with this. <laughs> yeah. So there's some really interesting numbers, and I want to get to those in a second. But Ryan, your rant I think brings up you know an interesting point. We talk about it there in in the context of our bold predictions. But I think this is an interesting point in the context of Indiana season. You know, we're now two straight games where Thomas Bryant, to his credit, has really delivered. I mean, his his rebounding improvement from last year to this year is absolutely terrific. I mean, he's doing such a better job on the glass. The numbers back it up. So does the eye test. His defense. I mean, the, the blocks that he had. 
you know, it, the two blocks he had in the first half, I mentioned this on the halftime report, he showed such excellent patience. And that's a lot of times an underrated attribute for a shot blocker is patience. Because a lot of times, you know, you go for the first movement, you're just swiping down as soon as you can and you pick up a foul or you, or you miss the opportunity for the block. And Thomas did a really good job of being patient. And so, you know, he's, he's producing all throughout the stat sheet, but that's four shots over the last two games. And, you know, I want to get your guys' thoughts. Is this something now that we should start to be concerned about? Because, I mean, he's, you know, he had nine points. He got to the free throw line. He ran the floor, was able to get some opportunities that way. But I'm starting to get a little bit concerned that we can't get our potential All-American big man with so many skills more than than four shots in two games. And I wonder, you know, is this, do you look at James Blackman Jr., a guy who's taken 18 shots today and say he needs to, you know, uh, kind of step back a little bit, recognize that we got to get Thomas involved and, and do that? Is this where Thomas needs to post up better? Is there something in the offense that's not going? Like, Andy, we'll go to you first, and then Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on it too. But what is the remedy here to get Thomas back involved so we see the guy that we saw in the second half against Kentucky offensively? I just think there are I, there are definitely times when it feels like he's open. I, I just don't know that they're looking for him enough. And and I think it's one of those things where you, you can lament a lot of things about games like this. And I think it just it gets you into the habit of like we can score however we want to, whenever we want to, and it, and it almost doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I mean today, twenty eight of sixty field goal attempts, I believe, were um, three pointers against a team with very little size inside. So. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about after the last two games, IU, that, that percentage was maybe, you know, a third of IU shots, uh, as opposed to half of them, like it was today. And, and so just didn't really feel like there was a concerted effort to get it to him. I don't know that it was him, um, not getting open. I think there's also opportunities off of, you know, pick and roll type scenarios to get him the ball that aren't necessarily traditional post-ups that can, that can, that he's able to take advantage of. But, um, it, you know, there were a couple of times they, they got it into Jerron Davis. I think even, you know, Juwan Morgan had a, had a post-up or two, but, um, overall I definitely just felt like there wasn't that concerted effort. And I don't know if it was just because it didn't feel like they needed to, um, today, but it, it, you know, it's not a part of the game that you can just flip on when you feel like it, when the, the competition starts to get a little bit tougher. So those are, you know, as much as we say, hey, it's good for the the freshmen and those new guys to get some minutes here. I mean, you still want to, you know, treat this game like a, a practice if you want, but you know, you got to practice things that you're going to want to do in the game. So that was um, definitely disappointing to me. I don't think it's necessarily for a lack of effort on his part in trying to establish position. Maybe Ryan feels differently, but I, I didn't necessarily think it wasn't because he wasn't open. No, I, I agree. I don't think it's because he wasn't he wasn't making moves and not trying to get open. But if you look at it against SIU Edwardsville, he was three of eleven from the field and had a really rough night as far as you know finishing at the rim and and taking shots. And, and then the last two games, he's reined it in and only taken four. So it's almost like an overreaction to a to a rough game. I mean, he shot twenty seven percent from the field in that SIU game. Um, so I would say. I think that there's a couple things at play here. First of all, he's going to be the first guy defenses try and take away. They're going to shade over, try and uh, you know take away, uh, trying to immediately help as soon as he gets the ball. Sort of back off passes and make it tougher to make the entry. Um, and again, as you guys said, if they are um, if they're scoring any way they want, they're not going to make a concerted effort to get one guy the ball. I think that's I think that's fair to say. And and he, to his credit, has been unselfish. He had five assists in the last two games combined. He's had eight blocks. He's not let in four steals. He's not let his lack of offensive post touches impact 
uh, the way he's played. But yeah, I do think that I think it's also on Thomas too. He's such an unselfish guy. He needs to call for that ball in the post. He needs to ask for it. He needs to demand it. And his teammates respect him enough that they'll give him the ball if he, if he sort of insists, but I think he's sort of deferring to other people. And I don't think that's the right, uh, formula for this team, especially going into the Big Ten, when you're going to need easy buckets. And let's face it, you get Thomas Bryant in the post with a guy on his back, that's an easy bucket instead of having to work it around the perimeter a few times and, and get a three. So I think that he's going to have to start demanding it. And I think, as we've said, I think the guards are going to have to start looking for it more consistently. In other words, Thomas, treat post-touches like Ryan treats airtime here on the assembly call. Yes, be- hog. <laughs> hog it. Hog it for all it's worth. <laughs> All right, coming up on the assembly call, there's some numbers that are really interesting that jump right out at me on the stat sheet. We're going to get to those as well as roll through some individual player performances because there were some notable ones today. Uh, But first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, as I'm sure you have found, has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites really seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that really does make it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. And that's why SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets for a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And best of all, listeners of the Assembly Call get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So here's how you get that $20 rebate. Download the SeatGeek app. It's a free app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All righty, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are discussing Indiana's win over Houston Baptist. It was a 103-61 to victory for the Hoosiers. And, guys, a couple of numbers that jump out to me looking at the stats. Uh, one is rebounding. Uh, you know, Indiana did not do a very good job rebounding in the first half. Uh, only rebounded 26% of their uh, misses on the offensive end. And Indiana is a team that when they're rebounding well is up in the 40s. And they're actually down in the 60s defensively as well. Um, in the second half, they got that turned around, really came out, made a concerted effort on the glass, which I knew was going to happen because Crean in the pregame show was talking about how much he wanted to see Indiana rebound. And you had to think he wasn't going to be very happy after their first half rebounding. And I always like to see when Indiana can take something that was a negative in the first half, even in a game like this, and really turn it into a positive in the second half. I think that's a good sign of coach and team being in sync. I like seeing that. And then turnovers. For the game, Indiana with a turnover percentage of 16.3%, well below their season average coming in of 23%. And there was a flurry of turnovers at the beginning of the second half. I think they had four within the first four or five minutes. But outside of that, you know, again, Crean mentioned on the pregame, I want to play aggressive which Indiana certainly did, putting up 103 points. He said, look, we're going to make some turnovers playing aggressive. And those are okay, but we can't have the boneheaded turnovers, you know, the the just unforced turnovers. And that's where I thought Indiana really made strides today because there's only one, maybe two turnovers I can think of that just struck me at the time as really egregious. Otherwise, you know, Indiana, you know, made some turnovers trying to make plays and that's going to happen. But to get that number to 16.3%, 
that's the kind of percentage that that if this team can do that and rebound offensively like they normally do and do everything else the same as they normally do, that's the kind of percentage that gets you to a Big Ten championship and helps you make a run in March. And so I think seeing Indiana start to get into that habit now as we approach Big Ten play, that to me is one of the biggest takeaways from this game, and I love seeing that. Andy, any other numbers uh, that jumped out to you in particular today? Well, you know, to go back to the rebounding, I just thought in the first half, and I, I tweeted this a couple times, that they just really weren't getting a body into anybody. They were just trying to go out, jump people, and, and get rebounds. It was um, very similar to a, a third and fourth grade girls basketball game I coached earlier today, where my daughter seemed just like was kind of waiting on the ball to come to him instead of actually blocking people out. So it was, um, I, you know, definitely noticed a difference in that from a results, but also just from a, a technique and fundamental standpoint in the second half. Uh, you know, I think the, the turnovers, like you said, there were a few where they were just trying to make kind of, I, I don't even want to say it's a spectacular play, but they're really trying to push the ball off the floor and transition and, and cross the court, and and those got uh, those got taken away. But I think those are, you know, aggressive turnovers as opposed to to sloppy. So I thought that was good, um, and I think the blocks were another one. I mean, IU continues to uh, to really be able to block shots. It says there were only five. It, it feels like there were more uh, as they went through at least the stat feed that I'm looking at. But I think you know we continue to see really good presence inside between Bryant. Uh, Deron Davis, I don't know if he had any today, but his block shots really well. Morgan had the one that he swatted off of Devontae Green's head. Uh, that was good. And then assists, he had 19 assists on um, 33 made field goals. And I think for a while it was, uh, you know, at a, the 80% mark uh, or close to it as as we went through that. So I think those are all good signs of moving the ball. Saw so guys for the most part really making the extra pass. And uh, I, I thought overall, you know, some good ball movement and those kinds of things that will uh, serve them well as we go forward. Yeah, one thing to remember is this was a Saturday, an early Saturday game, and and a lot of times those games, for whatever reason, start off slow for both teams, just sloppy, sort of just not into it because it's not the normal routine you have for a game. Uh, it's usually an evening game of some kind. Uh, you know, most games are. So you saw in the first half, Indiana shot forty one point four percent, got out rebounded twenty one to twenty, and in the second half they shot sixty seven point seven percent from the field and out rebounded Houston Baptist twenty five to ten. So it seemed like once the guys got warmed up and locked in and maybe got a talking to at the half. Uh, they really locked in and, and did what they were supposed to do. And I and you know, again, it's not an excuse that they come out flat like that, but you like I said, you see that on these early Saturday games. Uh, you see it in even in conference. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought that they that in the second half they really locked it in. Uh, we were kind of texting back and forth about the way James Blackman Jr. was playing. I thought he played much better in the second half. I'm sure we'll get to that. But um, I, I thought that he was a little loose with the ball in the first half, maybe shooting too much and shooting before he was set. And I thought in the second half he really locked in. Yeah, let's talk about James because he's the guy I wanted to talk about next because frankly, I did not think he played well in the first half and I thought he reverted a little bit to freshman and sophomore year James Blackman Jr. where he was hunting shots where his defensive attentiveness wasn't good. There was a, a stretch in the first half where he just completely lost his man on defense and the guy you know, went right in for, for a, a wide open layup. On the next possession down on offense, he hunted a shot, missed it. He was lazy getting back, you know, just kind of jogging slowly getting back. And his man was the one who went and scored. And I thought it was just it was the kind of sequence that would really get people upset his freshman and sophomore years. But to your point, Ryan, and, and, and to James's credit, I thought he did play better in the second half. And in particular, he played better. You, you'll recall at middle of the second half. Um, Indiana had, I think, four of their freshmen out there, and they turned it over on a couple straight possessions. Things got a little sloppy. Tom Crean took a timeout, looked pretty pissed off when he took the timeout, and he actually had James Blackman Jr. lead that timeout. And James came back in the game, and right after that, Indiana went on an 8-0 run. 
And James had a, a really nice offensive rebound. He made a three-pointer. Uh, he had a great drive to the basket and found Freddie McSwain, who had a terrific cut from the corner. And it was like it was like James led the timeout. And because he kind of put himself on that pedestal of leadership, it's like he came out right after that and was locked in, focused on doing everything he needs to do. And that's one of the reasons why I love Tom Crean, you know, kind of stepping back and giving players the opportunity to lead. Because think about, you know, if you're in a pickup game, you know, and you're telling everybody to, you know, to start playing defense or you get on guys, it's naturally going to raise your level of play because you've said something. Now you have to back it up and do it on the court. And I really liked seeing that from James. And so, you know, not going to judge too harshly on the first half in a Saturday game against Houston Baptist. What I liked seeing is that in the second half, he came out and played much better like the team MVP, which I called him on Friday, uh, which I think he's been so far this year. I thought we saw much more of that in the second half. Yeah, I, let me jump in here real quick. I just want to echo what you said. I mean, think about this. He played 15 minutes in the first half, three of 11 from the field, three of eight from the uh, from three-point range, and had nine points and two turnovers. In the second half, when he reined his game in, he scored the same amount of points, nine, didn't turn the ball over, had an assist, was four of seven from the field and one of two from three, and had two and had one more rebound in fewer minutes. So it actually works to his benefit to raise rein his game in, get everyone else involved. That leaves him with better shots. And so I think that it's 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 we've talked about James maturing offensively and maturing off the court as well. And I think that the first half, as you said, was immature James, and the second half was very mature James. And he just seemed to almost like the light went on that, hey, if I get everyone else involved, maybe things will be easier for me. And they are. It's, you know, it's amazing how that works. And, and it's really great to see this Indiana team, even the new guys, being so unselfish because it makes the game easier for them. See, Thomas, you see how Ryan just jumped in there and said, let me take it? That's how you demand the ball. That's what we want to see. Be aggressive. <laughs> be aggressive, Thomas. Andy, yeah, your thoughts on James? I, not too much other than what what you guys have already said. I think in the first half, he made himself really easy to guard. He just kind of stood around, chucked threes. And, um, and, and you know, it, it's not that he couldn't get those, but it was a case where, you know, you get that shot whenever you want it on a day like today in a game like this. And not to belabor the point of what kinds of habits that games like this can, uh, you know, bring up. I think it was just another case of, you know, it really doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want against this team. So I'm going to just keep taking these shots that we're not, it, it wasn't even necessarily that they were bad shots. It was just you could have gotten a better shot and you could have gotten a better shot by, you know, working the ball around. But, you know, by the end of the second half, you had that really nice drive and dish to uh, Freddie McSwain cut into the basket. And I thought, you know, that shows how he's able to make a defense uncomfortable. He makes a few shots and really tries to take it off the dribble. Everybody reacted to him and opened up, a you know, an easy basket for somebody else. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I think easy to get caught up in a game like this and say, hey, I'm just going to go out and score a bunch of points. And uh, he certainly ended up doing that. But, uh, you know, did seem to, to rein it back in a little bit in the second half. So that's a good thing to see. Uh, so we're definitely going to get to a good IU Butler preview because we don't obviously have a post-game show between now and the Butler game. And so we want to get that before Andy has to leave here in about 10, 15 minutes. But before we get to that, let's linger on this game for just a little bit longer because I thought there were some really notable, interesting performances, guys. And let's just go around the horn and talk about some of these interesting performances. Um, I'll start with Zach McRoberts, who zero points, but four assists and two steals. And there was a play in the second half where it was down on the defensive end and there was a defensive rebound. Indiana's kind of fumbling around with it and Zach McRoberts dove on the ground. He didn't even get the rebound. He just tapped it out to a point where Indiana could get it. They go down on the other end. I think it resulted in a James Blackman Jr. dunk and it was such a great play. I mean, such a quintessential 
Zach McRoberts, you know, kind of doing Colin Hartman things type play, but just, you know, giving up his body, doing what it takes to make a play. And that's, you know, look, we're going to see how much Zach McRoberts can play come Big Ten play because he's been really good in these cupcake games. You know, the game was a little bit too much for him against North Carolina. We didn't see him get as involved there. And so I'm going to be curious to see how much he can do in Big Ten play. But making plays like that, that's leadership by example. That's grit and toughness. And it was great to see from Zach, who really had another solid day leading Indiana in assists. And as I mentioned on the halftime report, you know, in, in the first half, he had a, a couple of passes got to him, wide open three-pointers. And, and Zach, we really want to see you look at the basket, present yourself as an option. He actually overpassed to James Blackman Jr. and Devontae Green on two straight possessions, and they had worse shots than he would have had. But because he makes such good passes and gets it right in that shooting pocket, Kronikuzer pointed this out uh, on Twitter, James and Devontae were able to have quick releases and get the shots off before the defenders got there, and they made both of them. So it's those little fundamental plays Zach makes, and that's why he continues getting time, and we saw more of it today, which was really nice to see. Um, Andy, I know you want to talk about uh, Juwan Morgan. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, he did miss a shot today, which was, you know, obviously disappointing. But he, I think he had said, I think they said he set a new IU record by making 14 straight over the course of these few games before he did miss a three. But um, I thought, you know, again, played really well off the ball, seven rebounds, uh, a couple assists, and I think just really is settling back into. See, so if, if Ryan had made his prediction that he would get back to playing like Juwan Morgan, I think today's game would have been a perfect one for that and most certainly robbed. would have given robbed. credit credit robbed. for it. But, uh, By the way, you know, I should have stuck with my bold prediction of Juwan missing a shot because he only missed one. Like, yeah. I think like that might have qualified. Maybe and a free maybe. throw. Like, and a free throw. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't specify which one. You said. You said a shot. It could have been a free throw or a field goal percent. Stop reading so much into my words, sure. Ryan. Let's, let's fair. Go fair. But I. I mean, I thought overall did you know did really well. Did he continues to do a really good job of getting to the line? Um, had five free throws. So thirteen point seven rebounds, two assists, the block, and a steal. Uh, in just twenty minutes of action, I, I thought he continued to play well, and we'll see what happens as we move forward when. Uh, you know, OG's been cleared. Seemingly, he's going to slip right back in the starting lineup, and Morgan comes. You know, goes back to that six-man role that we've talked about. And uh, hopefully, these games have given him the confidence to really come in and play like this. Because if he comes in and and gives the productivity that he's been given these last few games as the first guy off the bench, it's going to be uh, extremely important for this team as as they move forward. So I think good a good stretch of these games uh, for him in particular to really get his confidence back and really seems to have you know found his his role. Uh, again in, in some ways and uh, and stepped into that. So another really strong performance from him. Ryan, I thought this was by far the best we've seen Curtis Jones play since the Kansas game. And we saw him initiating the offense a lot. I mean, basically playing a point guard role. Uh, and I thought he was really good. Didn't turn it over. Two assists, was in double figures. Really solid effort from Cujo today. Yeah, I think he's going to be really good. I mean, just watching him. I mean, watching him before he came in, you know, as in high school, you could just see the potential there with his athleticism and his ability to score the basketball. But the athleticism helps him be a good defender, and and he already seems to be an aggressive defender, not necessarily a smart defender, uh, but that comes with experience. I mean, most freshmen are really dumb defenders, uh, so I, I think that he he's going to sort of rein in that aggressiveness a little bit and only 
use it when he needs to. But the thing I liked about today was he was much more reined in offensively. No turnovers was a big deal for him because he's he can get loose with the basketball. And I don't when I say loose with the basketball, I don't necessarily mean that he's going to give it away. I mean that he's just not solid with it. You can just see that if somebody sneaks up behind him, they can knock the ball away. You know, he's just not strong with it yet. But 11 points, three rebounds. I thought he had some stretches of fantastic play where he was involved. He had a great alley-oop to uh, Thomas Bryant, and that was the uh, Huntington Prep connection there as they used to play high school ball together. Um, but, you know, it, I think that it, you're starting to see flashes of him, uh, of, of the player he's going to be, and I think he's going to be fantastic. And he's a great guy to have coming off the bench for 10, 12 minutes of really energetic play right now. Uh, he had 19 minutes today, obviously, in a blowout, but I think that he's a guy who's going to have a really – defined role when the when we hit Big Ten play, sort of looking like OG Ananobi and Jawan Morgan did last year, where they know exactly what they have to do when they come in, and I think that'll help him grow. Let's talk about uh, Josh Newkirk as well, uh, who, you know, 10 points, three assists, three boards, and I thought he really took to heart what Tom Crean wanted, which was play aggressive, you know, make the simple play, let's knock it out of control, and he had a couple of turnovers, but I thought overall, Josh really picked his spots well on offense, uh, and, and, you know, just not a spectacular performance, but a really solid performance from Josh, three for five, knocked down a three-pointer, uh, exactly the kind of effort you want to see from him, Andy. Yeah, I thought he I thought he continued to play well. Um and and really on the defensive end again, I thought he was uh he was disruptive. He did get beat one for one backdoor play, but I thought overall he he continues to be really active and I think that um we looked for a lot of positive things from him defensively uh coming into the season and didn't I, I maybe we didn't notice it, didn't feel like we saw a lot of it until that uh what he did against Joel Berry uh against North Carolina, but I think that's been a nice springboard for him and he continues to uh, I think kind of work at, at figuring out what that balance is between shooting and facilitating. And, uh, but I thought overall a, a good solid game from him today, you know, a couple of or three assists, three rebounds, uh, took five shots and made three of them and, and got to the line four times. So I thought, you know, again, another guy who did a little bit of everything. Uh, and I think that's the, exactly the role they need him to play as they do this, play good defense, uh, get other guys involved and, uh, and be aggressive. And I thought he did a good job balancing all those things today. Yeah, I just one thing about Newkirk is he's listed at 6'1, 195. He plays so much bigger and stronger than that. I don't know if you guys have noticed that too, or if that's just me. I just think that he plays like such a bigger guard than that. And that's offensively and defensively. He's aggressive, he's strong, he's quick. And I, you're starting to see maybe him knock some of the rust off from missing a, a year of basketball and, and start to look like a much better player. And I think we all have noticed that and talked about it. The last individual that I want to talk about is Freddie McSwain Jr. Uh, on our radio show, we went through and, and gave letter grades for every player, and, and Freddie got a very low grade, and I think it was deserved. You know, he's a guy that didn't get to campus until late. It seemed to kind of struggle to get into the rhythm. We saw him take nine shots in one game, you know, using way too many possessions. What we saw from Freddie McSwain today is exactly what Indiana needs from him if he's going to be a useful rotation player. He had eight points. He had four boards, two of them offensive. One of them, I swear, it's like he just hovered in the air for five seconds. Like he got to the top of his jump and just stayed there and was able to grab the offensive rebound. It was incredible. A steal uh, only took four shots. Again, I mentioned the basket cut earlier that he had from the corner. That is Freddie McSwain. Hustle, run the floor, make cuts, make yourself available when a guy is driving like that. Go get offensive rebounds. Exactly what we want to see from him. Really good job from Freddie, and we'll see if he can translate this to games against better competition. Uh, Ryan, you were the one who doled out the difficult grade, uh, so I'll give you a chance here to uh, give Freddie some props, too, because I think he deserves him after today. <laughs> 
No, I agree. I thought that he he was much he he played much more the way we expected him to. As you said, eight points, four boards. He didn't take a shot outside of a few feet from the basket, which is his strong suit. He shouldn't be shooting jumpers. Um, but in eleven minutes, he was the guy that we expected him to be: be aggressive, be active, be athletic, go out there and and mix it up. Don't try and do too much. And, and Freddie McSwain stepping away from a 10, 15 foot jumper is not what Indiana needs. They need him banging on the inside, you know, grabbing offensive rebounds, being aggressive, uh, you know, going up to block shots, things like that. And, and this was exactly what you want from him. And I agree. I think that if he does this game to game, that's, that's going to be something that Indiana can use come Big Ten play. By the way, just another couple quick numbers that, that were really nice for Indiana. 41.4% from three-point range. You know, Indiana has dipped down into the 38s. The last couple of years, we've seen them up in the 40s, so that was nice to see. Uh, and the free-throw shooting seems to have stabilized some. Indiana took 32 today. They made 78% of them, uh, so that was nice to see. Coming up on the assembly call, Andy is going to give us one of his patented IU next opponent previews as we're going to talk a little bit of IU Butler. That is next on the assembly call. Real quick, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should act your free membership to the assembly call here are three quick reasons number one it's quick and easy go to assemblycall.com join it'll take you 15 seconds uh, also it's how you get our best content because by joining you receive our weekly six banner saturday iu hoops news roundup which our student intern haley did a great job on this morning uh, and you'll also get our detailed post-game analysis emails which i'll start writing as soon as we stop uh, the post-game show and plus it's how you connect with us and the assembly call community because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat and access our free members discussion forum both great places to continue discussion of iu basketball after every game uh, and so if you like what you hear on the assembly call becoming a member is the next logical step so join us for free at assemblycall.com join you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 103 to 61 victory over Houston Baptist, and this puts Indiana at eight and one and sets up the Hoosiers for a big game next Saturday against Butler. Another opportunity for Indiana to get a resume building win, uh, a resume that already is among you know the four or five best in the country because of those two big high profile wins. This is another chance. Andy, uh, you obviously are our uh, our expert on all things college basketball, and so we kick it over to you. You know, the, probably the biggest news that comes out of today, even more important than uh, anything that happened in this Houston Baptist game, is that OG Ananobi was cleared to play. He didn't get in, as expected, but it looks like he will be available for the Butler game as he practiced uh, a couple times this week, which is obviously good for Indiana heading into that game. Well, that's going to be uh, that's going to be really important, and hopefully he's back at full strength because uh, Butler's leading scorer is a, a six-seven uh, forward who is uh, Keelan Martin, who OG would likely draw the assignment of. Uh, I I would imagine uh, early on, so he you know from a possession standpoint uses almost a third of their of Butler's possessions when he's on the court. So high usage guy, uh, not an overly great offensive rating, but uh, is averaging I think coming into today about 17 points a game. Uh, Butler just beat uh, Cincinnati while we were while we were on here, so they won that by 10, bounced back from their only loss against uh, Indiana State earlier in the week. Um, but pretty balanced for Butler. They've got uh, so that's they got Martin who averages 17, and then they've got five other guys who average somewhere between eight and 11 points uh, per game who who play the majority of their minutes. Um, got a couple other rotation guys just that that, that don't score a great deal. So um, you know, pretty balanced team as you would expect with Butler. They they still play at a, a slower tempo. So I think as we start thinking about you know what what kinds of things are really going to tell the story. I think the pace and the number of possessions in the game are going to be big. Uh, Butler plays 
quite a bit slower than IU. So is IU able to you know impose their will from a tempo perspective uh, and, and push the ball? I think that'll be important. Uh, other number to watch, as always with IU, uh, is turnovers, but more so in this case, Butler's defense coming into today, or at least uh, as it sits on Ken Palm now, 10th in the nation in the uh, defensive turnover rate. So IU has to protect the ball. It's not because they're pressing. They're just really solid in the half court, good help defense, and um, some can cause them some, some things there. So I think from you know things to watch uh, that really jump out is turnovers and the, and the tempo. Uh, but uh, it, it should be it should be an interesting game. I mean, Butler has when you look at the numbers, uh, Ken Palm predicts a, a one point IU victory, and both teams are in the top thirty in both offensive and defensive uh, efficiency. So a couple really good teams should be a high quality game. One of the uh, one of the more enjoyable games I've watched so far this season was when Butler played Arizona uh, on a neutral court. Just a, a well played game, and uh, should be one that's exciting. Uh, I think IU should have a little bit of a size advantage in the backcourt in particular. Uh, they got some some pretty small guards uh, that that play. Tyler Lewis is five eleven, Kamar Baldwin six foot, and Avery Woodson six two. So, um, it, you know, even as Ryan said, you know, Newkirk plays a little bit bigger than he is. I think you know Robert. I, I think you could say the same thing of, and, and James uh, has a little bit of size as well. They really don't have, uh, in general, a ton of sizes there. They've got this Andrew Shravitz who's who's been there forever. It feels like um, kind of a, an undersized big man, but uh, you know they'll certainly try to, you know, make life difficult on Thomas in the post, and hopefully I, you can get him rolling because he's you know another one where they really do seem to have an advantage. So uh, should be a really good game. Really looking forward to it. Um, probably more so after. You know, three cupcakes and IU schedule, quite honestly, uh, makes it that much more exciting to really play a good opponent. But I think uh, it should be a fun atmosphere in Indianapolis and, uh, and a really good game. Yeah, we need to enjoy this one because there's a couple more cupcakes coming after that game. Uh, Butler, you know, pretty battle-tested. They beat uh, Northwestern 43rd in Ken Palm, Vanderbilt 77th in Ken Palm, Arizona 22nd, Utah 67th. So they do have four wins over top 100 competition. You know, Andy, as we look at this just from a resume perspective, you know, if Indiana can notch this victory as well, how big would it be? And if Indiana loses this game, you know, losing to Butler, obviously there, there's no shame in that at all. They're they're a solid team. This isn't one that would that would sting long term, is it? No, I mean, I, all, in all likelihood, they end up as a, a top 25 RPI team. So losses to those kinds of teams on neutral court aren't really going to hurt you. I think, uh, obviously, to have three really good wins like that, should they get this one, uh, would be huge for IU and just would kind of further put the the Fort Wayne game uh, you know, off the radar, in the rear view, whatever you want to say. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think a lot to be lost from the game. But I think, again, you start to put together you know, these games the past week or so have done absolutely nothing. Um, but a game like this can certainly... You know, some of this is just to overshadow the fact that the non-conference strength of schedule isn't going to be very good. Um, but at least you can come back and say, hey, well, well, we won all the big games that we had. So even though the, you know, the bottom of the uh, of the schedule wasn't very good, performed really well against the upper echelon competition that they did play. And so far, they've done just that against Kansas and North Carolina. Uh, and another one like this would be a, a big uh, a big win from an RPI perspective for them in the uh, as they start thinking about seeding. Well, Andy, we know that you have a Christmas party to get to, uh, so we want to give you an opportunity to give your last call and uh, and head on out here, so you make it there on time. Yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, just I, I don't again. I, I struggle to take away too much from these games. It's like we try to, uh, you know, figure out things to talk about. But again, I, I think really balance was was good today. A lot of guys got involved. A lot of guys made uh, positive contributions, and uh, and nobody else got hurt. So I think we. We kind of jokingly say that, but it really isn't a joke when you think about some of the injuries that we've seen around college basketball and even with OG uh, and things like that. And, and you know, obviously watching Deron Davis uh, go down on that one play, I think somebody tweeted out, yeah, this is why OG's not playing today. And I think that's uh, a fair way to think of it. So I think, you know, we've kind of 
talked about the season in these mini stretches between the big games. Uh, they emerged from another one, you know, three convincing wins, got a lot of guys some minutes, um, didn't run the others into the ground and, and hopefully built some confidence in, in people and really just looking forward to that Butler game. Uh, just not only just to get back to good competition, but I think uh, a really cool event. Notre Dame looked great today. Uh, didn't didn't manage to beat Villanova, but I think the Notre Dame Purdue game should be great and uh, a good showcase for uh, what uh, basketball in the state of Indiana is all about next Saturday. So it should be a good one. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Andy. We always appreciate you being here with us. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, uh, Ryan, let's talk real quick about Robert Johnson, because I, I know I mentioned him in the banner moment and, and he's gotten kind of overshadowed. And I feel like a little bit he's almost starting to fall into the Yogi category where it's like, you know, last year, Yogi would just be so consistently good. And it's like we'd immediately jump past him to talk about some of the other notable performances. But Robert was just so solid today. I mean, only the one assist, you know, in the two turnovers. Uh, I, you know, I, I figured he'd have more assists, but the 16 points, the five boards, and it's the timeliness of the shots with Robert. That's the thing I'm noticing this year is it doesn't feel like any of his baskets are gratuitous. It's almost like every single one is a momentum builder, a momentum killer for the other team. Like, I really like how he's picking his spots. And, and I know we've talked about how James is that guy filling in for the Yogi role of, Hey, go get a shot when we need one. But I'll tell you, Robert, you know, he had that, that pull up three today. He's really showing himself to be a guy who can he can't create quite like James can, but he can pick his spots so well and find an opening and get himself open, whether it's for a nice mid range shot or a three point shot. And I just continue to be impressed with his evolution as a junior. Yeah, I think the thing about Robert that's that's really interesting right now is uh, he's kind of gotten into that area as a shooter where when he's got a clean look, you almost expect it to go down. I mean, he has really become a consistent shooter, whether it's a jump shooter, whether it's from three or inside. Sometimes he'll he'll take a step in if a guy comes out at him too fast. But yeah, 16 points, five rebounds, and he did that in only 23 minutes too, you know, because they got the young guys, they got both Green and, and Jones got some solid minutes today. So yeah, I agree with you. I just think he's a guy that's easy to overlook. And defensively, he's easily our best perimeter defender. Easily. It's I mean, and, and it starts, it's starting to show up on a game-to-game basis. And he's not a guy whose def- defense is going to show up in the stat sheet. He had one steal today, but I thought he was phenomenal. He was all over the guys he was guarding. And, you know, he's not going to put up steals or blocks or anything like that but he's going to be our the guy in perfect position defensively. He's going to be really tough to drive on. And I just, yeah, I agree. I think he's becoming one of those guys you just are starting to expect things from, which is interesting because la- last year he was a guy who was up and down at times uh, offensively. He was always, he's always been solid defensively, but, uh, but he was up and down offensively and maybe he had his confidence shaken some, but again, he's starting to come out and be that guy that you just expect what you got today. Like that, that was, you know, Hey, solid game, Robert, that's what you're supposed to do. And, and, uh, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was an excellent game for him and, and, you know, hopefully it continues to be what we see on, on a regular basis. I'll tell you what, man, uh, too bad Andy isn't here so he can make fun of me after I say this, but ever since Robert's freshman year, the guy that I've compared him to is Greg Graham. And, you know, from a statistical profile perspective, they're very similar. You know, Greg is a guy who scored, you know, pretty similarly his freshman and sophomore years around the eight, nine point range, and then really took that next step as a junior. And then as a senior became one of the best guards in America, he was phenomenal. And Robert is right on that trajectory. And he's, you know, stepping up just like that here this year. He's Indiana's second leading scorer. Obviously, he's got to get that assist turnover ratio, you know, a little bit more in favor of the assists and less on the turnovers. And I think we'll see that as the season goes along, but he just continues to be rock solid. And I think, you know, to me, 
you know, I really think that as this season continues to move on, you know, he and Jawan are going to be the rocks on which this team is built. And that's not, you know, I mean, look, James Blackman Jr. has been very consistent. You know, Thomas Bryant, very consistent. A lot of these guys are. But there's just there's something not only about the play of Robert and Jawan, but also their personality, how even keeled they are emotionally. And and Tom Crean mentioned this this week, actually, you know, how guys really have started to look to Juwan, you know, to be a guy who's going to make a play when you need one and just his leadership abilities. And I really think, you know, we've a, a big narrative for the first quarter of the season has been who are the leaders who are going to step up. And I think I think a lot of guys are going to lead in their own ways. I'm just starting to sense, you know, my sense from look a thousand miles away, not being there at practice. James and Juwan seem like the guys, kind of the rocks of leadership to me. Are you getting that same sense watching them? Yeah, I think Bryant, you have to consider in there too. I, I, but uh, they're definitely two quiet guys who probably lead by example more than anything. And and uh, you see that on the floor too. I mean, against North Carolina, Robert Johnson was the guy getting everybody involved and getting everybody organized and everything. I mean, James Blackman Jr. did a nice job there too. So did Josh Newkirk. Um, I think it's kind of a leadership by committee thing with this group, but if you're looking for guys who play the right way constantly and and make very few mistakes as as leaders by example, I, I agree that Juwan and Robert are probably the top two candidates for that mantle. Um, but I, I think also the thing I, I love about Robert, as you said, though, he's just so even keel. He never gets too high, never gets too low. I think we saw his confidence shake in as a sophomore offensively when he was when he missed a few uh, had a couple games where he didn't shoot very well. Um, but he's never let that seep into his defensive game. And you can just tell that he leads on both ends of the floor in that way. He plays the right way. He plays smart. And they were mentioning it. You know, he's the guy with the most starts on the team, uh, you know, career starts on the team. And he's going to be one of those guys who winds up being one of the career leaders in things like games played and starts. And, um, you know, by the time he's done, which is crazy to think because it, it seems like he's still a young guy, but he's a junior, you know, and he's the leader and and he's one of the older guys on this team. And, and that's rare since there's no seniors on this team right now. He, he's uh, going to be the guy that fans of other Big Ten teams are like, good God, he's still there? He's still there, yeah. <laughs> he's played exactly. so many minutes. No, it's, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I agree. I think he's sort of come into that leadership role, but I don't think it's an outspoken leadership role. I think it's he's just kind of always in the right place, always doing the right thing. And that becomes leadership after a while. And we saw some of the vocal leadership from him in the North Carolina game. You know, we talked about that. And so I think that's something that we will that we will see continue to evolve. Anything else from this game that we should touch on? I mean, obviously, you know, we saw a little bit more Tim Priller there. And, and look, I, I will say this about Tim Priller. I really think that Priller time is becoming less of, you know, just kind of a, a joke. And to Tim's credit, he's going out there and producing. I mean, his four points today, those were two really nice basket cuts. He scored with his left hand, you know, looked good. He actually has one of the highest uh, rebounding percentage, defensive rebounding percentages on the team. So I don't know if garbage time against, you know, sub 250 opponents is going to translate into him ever being able to play, you know, four or five minutes of meaningful game, you know, meaningful time in a meaningful game. But he is getting better. You know, and, and that's all you can ask from him. You know, maybe him having a scholarship was never the right decision in the first place if you want that guy to grow into a rotation player as a junior or senior. But to his credit, the, I don't know if he showed a lot of progress last year, but he's showing progress this year, which is nice to see. Uh, and I thought Grant Galon got in there, made a couple of nice plays on offense too. So those two guys, you know, take it for what it is. But I thought they came in with their minutes and, and were impressive today. 
Yeah, and Galen had a great basket cut, and Thomas Bryant had a phenomenal pass to find him. He you know, made the made the layup and got fouled. Uh, but with Priller, I mean, look, the guy's taking advantage of an opportunity. I mean, regardless of whether this becomes a rotation situation or not, or, or he gets more minutes, he played three minutes, had four points, an offensive rebound, and an assist. I mean, look, he took advantage of it. Yeah, they're looking to get him the ball. Yeah, it's against a garbage team. But, you know, good for him for taking advantage of it. If it doesn't lead to anything else, this guy is playing college basketball on the highest level and he's scoring points and people love him. I mean, if that's all this ever is for him, good for him. You know, I, I, I don't, uh, see it as, as, as something where he's building something else, but yeah, he's definitely improved. There's no question about that. And, you know, good for him for taking advantage of it and getting his name in the stat sheet. If that's, if that's all this ever becomes, uh, I'll be completely happy with it and look back fondly on on well, his. Well, and that's that's my point. He's doing a little more than getting his name in the stat sheet. You know, he's not going out there and having club trillions. Like if you actually look at the stats, if Priller is ever going to advance to more than just kind of gimmick Priller time sideshow, then he should go out and dominate in the garbage time that he's playing. And when you look at it, independent of possessions used, because obviously his sample size is really small, he has the highest offensive rating on the team. Uh, he has the highest defensive rebounding percentage, the highest offensive rebounding percentage. His assist rate is 22, which is second to Josh Newkirk. Yeah, that's second to Josh Newkirk. His block percentage is high. So, I mean, he is going out there and producing in those minutes. And I think, you know, he gets, you know, a, a lot of the talk is about, oh, you know, the crowd's going nuts for him. And it feels like this sideshow. And I just I do think it's worth mentioning that he's improved. He's producing with his minutes and we don't know where that'll go. And I think it is fair to expect of a junior scholarship player that they can become a rotation player. And, you know, he may not be there yet, but I do want to give him some credit for growing and improving because he certainly has. Uh, and that's good to see from Tim. Very good to see. Um, I think we're ready to move to last call, don't you? Anything else to talk about from this game? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, the, you know, it was a it was a, it was a solid when they did exactly what they had to do, and and I think we've covered pretty much every topic on the list for this one. Okay, but this is a really notable anniversary for Indiana it basketball, is. and we have a couple quick comments about that, which we will get to next. That's coming up on the assembly call. Uh, before we do that, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the assembly call is by ordering your official assembly call T-shirt which I'm modeling right here. There are two versions with our text assembly call logo modeled after the script Indiana right here on the front, or you can get our circular assembly call logo over the breast pocket area. Go to HoosierProud.com and check out their selection of unique stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love, uh, which includes our t-shirts. Uh, and don't forget the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y for 15% off. It works for our assembly call logo t-shirts and anything else you buy. Plus, when you order the t-shirts, uh, we get a little piece of the money that you pay for the t-shirt. So it's a great way to support the show as well. Again, uh, and if you do it, send us a picture so that we can tweet out pictures of you wearing the assembly call t-shirt. Again, the URL is HoosierProud.com. All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. Andy Bottoms was with us earlier, had to take off. We are wrapping up, talking about Indiana's 103-61 victory over Houston Baptist. Uh, and Ryan, I saw a great tweet that was sent out earlier today from your favorite, Will Sheehy, who wished Christian Watford a happy birthday. Uh, and of course, it's not actually Christian Watford's birthday, but it is the five-year anniversary of the Watt shot. Uh, the the epic shot that Christian Watford made to beat Kentucky, uh, and obviously that's a replay that we've all watched, you know, thousands of times. 
It is the reason why whenever you mention Christian Watford's name, he is a legend in Bloomington forever. Uh, but I just, you know, as I like to do now when this shot comes up, I want to give credit to the two guys on that possession whose contributions don't always get noticed. And the first is Cody Zeller, who laid a great screen. I don't remember who was guarding Verdell Jones, but Verdell gets the inbounds pass. And Cody Zeller just lays out a great screen on whoever's guarding him. And then to Ferdell, to Verdell for having the presence of mind to get the ball down the court so quickly and instead of trying to drive in and force a shot, which frankly, freshman, sophomore, and maybe even junior year, Verdell Jones probably would have done, but he did such a nice job of kicking it out to Christian and, and driving in to the teeth of the defense so that the defense had to go in and cover him. You know, he didn't just, you know, drift with his dribble. He really cut in with it, got it out to Christian to make the shot possible. And obviously Christian had to do the heavy lifting and make the shot. But I think sometimes we forget uh, how big of a, a screen Zeller uh, had and how, how big of a play and pass it was by Verdell. And so I just want to give those two guys credit on the fifth anniversary of a shot that, you know, still reverberates in Indiana basketball. Um, and was certainly a great memory for all of us because that was our ninth or tenth show. That was the first season we've been doing the show. So uh, always a fun, uh, a fun memory to relive. It is. I, you know, just looking back on that, that's, you know, one of my favorite moments as a, as an IU fan was that. And then of course, beating Kentucky last year in the tournament is up there. Um, but I, I think that sort of the, the younger generation of Hoosier fans who haven't had a national championship, that, that is what they look to as their big moment. Um, and, and it also signaled so much just symbolically of the, the program sort of rising from the ashes and, and getting back to a point where it was in the national conversation. I mean, that, that, shot, that was a shot heard around the basketball world that day you know i mean no, and nobody was talking about anything else and uh so i think it was that and you know the nba lockout were, were the only topics of conversation that whole day um so i you know it's such a fond memory and uh, i remember i was in chicago and uh busy and i tuned into the show and it was you screaming uh it was me that. solo <laughs> yeah i know it was you by yourself screaming like a madman and i was like no yeah that sounds about right yeah. uh so yeah it's a great memory and 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 I, I never get tired of, of seeing that replay. No, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. All right, uh, let's go to last call, Ryan. Your final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Houston Baptist today. Well, I think it was just it was a solid game. I thought it started slowly as we we you know we talked about early Saturday game is is always rough for these guys because it's so outside of their normal schedule. So it's hard sometimes to get going. Once they got warmed up, I thought they played the right way. I thought they uh, executed, did what they were supposed to do, and I thought that pretty much everybody chipped in. I there were very few guys where I could say. Uh, maybe not really anybody who I said, no, that was a bad game for him. You know, I, I think everybody pretty much had solid points you can build on. Um, now it's time to get locked in and and uh, sort of focus on that team that's becoming an in-state rival in Butler. And that should be a fun one next Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. And of course, we'll be here after. Absolutely. That game against Butler is Saturday, December 17th. It will be on the Big Ten Network, and it starts at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we might do a little pregame show action for that one over on Facebook Live. Make sure, you are, uh, make sure you've liked us on Facebook, facebook.com slash assemblycall. That's where we do our IU Hoops halftime reports now, but we will certainly be here after the game uh, for the postgame show. Uh, for my last call, uh, just a couple quick comments. Obviously, number one, uh, OG Ananobi uh, cleared to play, did not play, which was great to see, but from all the postgame comments I've seen, it sounds like Indiana expects him to be ready for Butler, which is terrific. Uh, you know, when he first went down, 
I was I was scared that he wasn't going to be back for the Louisville and Wisconsin stretch, and so to have him back for Butler is really good. I don't think that we can expect him to go out there and play, you know, 22, 25 minutes right off the bat because, as we all know, you know, when you miss, you know, a couple of weeks of basketball, it takes a little while to get your conditioning back, and then it takes a little while when you've had practice conditioning to get back into game shape, especially a game of that magnitude where it's on a neutral court and not at home, where sometimes the home crowd can kind of pump you up even if you're a little bit tired. So. You know, I would temper expectations for OG, but just his presence. And if he can go out there and give Indiana 15 to 17 really solid minutes, that obviously is huge because he's one of the best two-way players in America, uh, which would be nice to see. And then finally, I just want to issue uh, congratulations to Marnie Mooney, Indiana's academic advisor who got married this week. Uh, she's always been a, a supporter of the show and obviously a huge supporter of the program because she got married yesterday instead of going off on a honeymoon or doing whatever she was right there in the stands watching the game she is you know i think anybody who wants to compete for the number one fan of indiana basketball you got to go through marnie uh and obviously her last name isn't mooney anymore but i'm not sure how to pronounce her new last name so i don't want to muck it up here uh but congratulations uh to marnie on her marriage that is awesome to see and uh now she of course is in the midst of the toughest uh, uh, couple of weeks of her uh, job as the guys are in the final week of the semester. And so uh, we wish all the guys good luck with their finals. One of the reasons why we love this program is because we take the academics as seriously as we take the basketball, uh, which is always great to see. So hopefully the guys finish strong and then are uh, ready to let off a little bit of steam next Saturday against Butler, a big game. We'll be here. We hope you are. Until then, take care. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. IBM Cloud offers millions of different server configurations with 20 terabytes of bandwidth cost-free. Get the compute power you need and deploy on demand, but at prices set for smart cost management. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers to customize your server today.